Hey everybody, this is John and Nick. Um, thanks for joining us again as always. Um, this one's going to be a little different here. We've been thinking about what we want to talk about. And as usual, the thoughts are random and all over the place. And we don't have any one specific thing we want to talk about other than people can't drive in Colorado. Um, sorry. We're uh, currently driving down the road in Colorado, and we thought we would just kind of talk for a little bit. So the reason that we're driving down the road in Colorado is we're on our way to Michigan. We've we've had um. Bought you legit peaches yesterday. <laughs> Those are like legit from somebody's orchard. I bought you legit peaches from an orchard yesterday. <laughs> Anyways, so, so that's kind of where our brain is. We're talking and then we see a peach stand on the side of the road. I don't know why we want peaches from Colorado, but it's fine. Anywho, so we've been, well, we've been away, Nick and I have been away since Leah passed in November. I mean, we went and we went to my mother-in-law and father-in-law's in, in November and we went to, we went for a couple reasons, I guess, but ultimately we went so that we could get Nick's dad's ashes so that his ashes and Leah's ashes are next to each other at the house. And then Nick and I ran away to Montana for a long weekend and it was, I think you used the term perfect but not precious. The entire trip basically that was how we described the cabin but it was really all of it. Like we went snowmobiling and we went to the spa and we went and got dinner places and, and we relaxed in the cabin and it snowed and it was peaceful. It was just a good trip. Um, and then we got away again for a long weekend in Mon to Montana again with, with um, one, two, three, and four. Uh, two girlfriends, one of which is a fiance now, and a dog. And that trip was good to get away with the kids that are with us every day and and then we were able to get away to Atlanta for a few days to go see some their new family um, people that I certainly wish that I'd met a different way but ultimately new family um, but since then Nick and I haven't got away and we haven't Went to Michigan. Oh, where, that's not true. Then we went, we came up here. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. We ran away for another long weekend to Colorado um, about a month ago and went to the Pueblo dwellings in Cortez and went to a uh, beautiful, amazing road through Silverton and, and Boré and Ridgeway and Telluride and, um, 
just got away. But anyway, again, back to it. So we're trying to, this is the trip that we've been, well, honestly, for all you listening that know us, we've been, we're, we're, we're looking forward to it and dreading it at the same time. Um, because we know it's going to be just extremely raw and we're not going to be in town that long for good and for bad. And I've delayed it. But honestly, I'm scared shitless that I, it's, I'm going to see family and family that I haven't even talked to in eight months. It's honestly overwhelming and the thought of it is really scary. So John is much different than I am. John, when things are bad or scary or upsetting or whatever, he runs to people. I run away from them. I don't, I don't look for people, John does. So this is a trip that he's wanted to do for the last few months and I have dragged my feet because Yeah, but it, to cl- it's not because you don't want to see them, to clarify that. No, you definitely want to. Just... Because I don't know how it's going to be for me. I don't know if I am going to be able to keep my shit together or if I even want to. I don't know what the triggers are going to be. I don't know. I just don't know, I guess, is the biggest thing. Yeah, this... Going going back here to see family and friends that knew us before Leah passed is something that Nick and I have talked amongst ourselves. Like we don't, it's a, it's a sticking point for both of us. And we are trying to be careful for each other too, because we don't want to, we don't want to hurt each other. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to force Nick to be somewhere if she's uncomfortable. And I don't want her to have to force me to leave if she is. Or the other way around, we might get, I might be the one that falls to fucking pieces when we get there. I really don't know. I don't know. I mean, the ones of you that I've talked to on the phone, you, like, you know, I text you just fine, but on the phones, hit or miss, depending on the day of the week, about where I'm at and how the call goes. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're making our way and we're not, um, we're trying to, we're technically taking the long route. We, we cut north through Arizona and then we're cutting east across Colorado and we're going to go into Nebraska and Kansas and Iowa and a couple of states that we haven't been to. And we're using that as an excuse to take the long route, I guess. But it's been so fucking crazy at work, which is a great problem, but it's still a problem that honestly we need even though we've had eight months we need another five days to decompress from 
our everyday life and try to relax a little bit as we make our way east. But prepare myself for what is gonna be there. And I I know there's nothing but love there. It's just one of the biggest things that parents like us deal with, especially moms, is a shame and guilt and a sense of responsibility that it's our fault that our babies aren't here. And you feel like you not only failed them, you failed everybody else too. And not that anybody's ever said that or made me feel that way. That's just, that's my reality. And that's one of many, many, many reasons that I go to therapy. But that feeling is very overwhelming and very pervasive and it blocks out anything else. Yeah, that feeling, it, it just hangs around and it's always there and it just, it makes everything edgy and not feel quite right. And I mean, let's be honest with the, with the, with COVID, we haven't seen any of you in almost two years. It's October of 19. And the last time we were there, we cut the trip short one day because the clinic was able to get us in and we were able to start the process of having Leah. And when we left Michigan last time to where we're gonna be returning now, we're different. We're just different, not, not in a good way, not in a bad way, not in a up, down, sideways or otherwise, we're just different. I, I don't, Lots of us are still the same. Lots of parts of us are still the same, but lots aren't. And it's one of the things that we struggle with the most, or I do anyways, is I do I do want to talk about Leah and I want to talk with her about you with 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 you guys because you guys do love us and you love her and would have doted on her and spoiled her and 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 it's hard to the thought of being around other people that are swallowing their own pain too it's it's easier to be honestly it's easier to be around our other friends that have went through this that are just as broken and fucked as we are it's it's really hard to we know the pain you guys are feeling is directly our fault, I guess. I don't know how to word that. Like, and I don't want your pity. Like, it's a very fine line between being sad and being pity. And, I mean, did I say that wrong? Did you say something? But, you know, we've 
but we do have good days and we and we want to have good days there like i i don't know if we're gonna i honestly yeah, we have good days well, we have less bad days we have okay days i don't feel like there's good days anymore like I don't know. Like that's good is a is too much. People people use the term moving on. And it's moving forward. Moving forward. And it's and, and we are in some ways, but let me make this clear. If if we if we sit around and laugh and tell old stories and drink beer till two in the morning and and whatnot and have a good day or an okay day that doesn't mean that that I'm am not still immensely broken and immensely sad and it doesn't even make it one percent less that that's never gonna change I'm never not gonna be as fucking sad as I am I'm never not gonna be as fucking angry as I am I, I'm never not gonna be any of it because Leah's not here. And and just because we can have a quote-unquote good day or okay day or whatever doesn't mean we don't miss Leah just as much as we did that morning. We certainly miss her. I, I Honestly, I think we miss her more every day because the farther we get, the more it is. It doesn't get less. It, and that's... I guess where I'm going with that is, is, you know, we've posted it. It's not a secret that we've been approved to adopt. But this being approved to adopt is a great and wonderful thing. But it does not make the loss of Leah any less and never will. This, and I know smart people realize that having another baby is not a replacement or not moving on or whatever and I really don't like the term rainbow baby that, that's like well here's your prize at the end of the rainbow I fucking I don't like that it sounds disgusting and it, yeah, it implies that Leah and losing Leah was a storm and it wasn't it she is a blessing and yeah, honor to be her mom it like implies like oh you lost Leah but here's your new baby and, and I, that is so not the case. You know, we jokingly call the kids one through four, and and, and Leah was five, and Leah is five. Leah, yeah, what I, I get stuck on that. Not was is Leah is five, and if we move forward and do adopt, I think we are keep going. That baby will be six. We've talked about this before, and I can't stress that enough, that that baby will be six, and that baby will grow up learning of his or hers five brothers and sisters. But but it's okay to talk about these things with us. Like, we, we want one. I know this is this is really directed towards my aunt, is she's afraid that, you, you're afraid that maybe you think you understand and you're afraid that you're gonna um, you you're afraid that you're gonna sorry people in Colorado really can't drive people are afraid that they're going to 
step on their tongue, essentially. He said it was a passing lane. Sorry, I'm having a little trouble here. Turn lane turned into a passing lane. I'm hauling a 31-foot trailer. I'm trying to be a nice guy. Anyways, some of you are afraid that you like you don't know how to talk to us. And the short answer is you need to just talk. And if it gets to a conversation or an angle or whatever that that we don't want to have, Nick and I have spent the last eight months trying to figure out how to navigate our own psyche when we have had enough or, or it's an uncomfortable topic or whatever. And we'll basically let you know. I mean, we're not going to be angry, but we'll let you know. I mean, if, if one of us is gets up and leaves the room, that's a pretty obvious sign, I hope. If, uh, so here's the thing. Like, first of all, don't be afraid of our tears. Tears come out of nowhere and seemingly for no reason. You can't even begin to imagine the silly things that trigger all day long. And I can't tell you what all of them are because I don't even know and I never know when it's waiting to happen and I never know to what extent my reaction is going to be. But don't be afraid of my tears. It's 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 going to happen. But if I've had enough and I've left the room, please don't follow me. That means I need right now to come apart, to sit with whatever is going on, and I need to deal with it. I don't need someone to stand there and rub my back or ask me if I'm okay. I'm not. I need to be left alone, and I know that that's counterintuitive and that's hard, but that is literally the best thing that you can do for me in that moment, is let me have the space and the time to deal. And I, and I won't follow her either, same as if I'm having a moment. Nick won't follow me. The, the kids have had a hard time with, they've, they've, seen, they've seen us both have a few hard times and, and Nick has left the table and got up and went outside and went to walk. And number one, particularly, who works with behavioral health, looks at me like, are you gonna get her? Are you gonna follow her? Are you gonna get your person? And the answer's no, I'm not. Nick's a grown-up. She's an adult. If she needs to go outside and scream at the trees and sit on the back porch and cry, then that's what she needs right then. What she doesn't need is me patting her on the back and telling her everything will be okay because everything ain't ever going to fucking be okay. So the thing with the adoption, we put it out there because we want everybody to know where we are and that, but I don't think that anybody has been able to really grasp what that's like for us. It's very conflicting. It's at once, it's exciting, but it's also fucking devastating. We promised Leah that we would adopt, that she would have a younger brother or sister to grow up with and we're going forward with that plan without her 
And in some ways, we feel like we're fulfilling the promise to her. And in other ways, it feels like that we're leaving her behind and moving on. And that is not what is happening. So when you hear that or you read it or you see it, there's so much more to it that you don't own, that you can't understand. Most people, when they get to adopt, and they're so excited and they want to tell the world, and we do too, but there's a whole other side of it that you don't see, that you can't fathom that's absolutely devastating. And it's just, it's just so hard because we don't, we don't know why Leah's not here. It doesn't, none of it makes any sense. I mean, not like a, not like a car accident makes sense, but it's explainable. It's not like cancer makes sense, but it's explainable. A heart defect, explainable. Like there's, there's still no right or wrong or rhyme or reason to it, but at least there's a an answer. And we both just have this gaping hole. Said so Nick has called it a narcissistic wound. And that's what it is. It just it just demands your attention and God forbid you try to ignore it for a little bit. It's only that much worse. It has to be has to be dealt with. It has to be fed. You, you can't just bottle it up. And and we're looking, I mean, we are looking forward to adopt. I mean, I'd be lying if we weren't, but, but it doesn't mean that it's not all hundred other scary, potentially devastating things, because it is. It, it will be. I mean, we've talked about that, that there is no way, no path for us that doesn't include pain, potentially more pain, that if we pursue adoption, that an adoption situation falls through, her mom changes her mind and decides to parent her baby and we've lost another one, just not in the same way. That's scary. If we try to pursue pregnancy again, because we don't know what happened and why this happened to Leah, and we don't know if it could happen again, we could lose another one the same way. If we choose the path of not having any more children, then we're grieving a loss of a potential that we no longer have. There is no path for us that has less pain or the potential for less pain. There's Think about that. If you've ever stood at a crossroads in your life and you know that no matter which way you go, 
there's the potential for devastation, for trauma, on top of what you're already carrying. And that's fucking paralyzing when the world is saying you have to choose one way or the other. You're old, you're 43 and 44 years old, and you don't have time to wait and to be in a place that you can even think clearly, let alone feel anything clearly. You can't think, you can't breathe, you can't do anything, but you have to make a decision. And this decision will affect not just you, but your entire family for the rest of your lives. That is a fucking huge ask. That they tell people after a major loss, and there is no bigger loss than the loss of a child. They tell you, don't make big decisions for at least a year. But when you're 43 and 44, you don't have the luxury of time. You can't sit with the pain and try to process through it and deal with it in the way that you know is healthy. You have to make fucking decisions. You have to do it now. You have to come up with a shitload of money. You have to sign your name and go through these processes and jump through these hoops no matter what decision you're going to make. And you have to do it now. Everything is on a timeline that it was. It needed to be done yesterday. And it's... Every, everything in our life is a timeline these days. It's, there is no... There is no break. There is no downtime. I mean, the, the downtime we get is when we leave and run away, but leaving and run away causes its own issues. But we do it anyway because we get to a point where we have reached overload. We are last time on the brink yeah. of a nervous breakdown, which I didn't really believe was a thing that happened to people until it happened to me. And we have to go away, to be away from that house, to be away from the pressures and expectations and responsibilities, to find somewhere in nature, which seems to be almost a universal craving, a need that bereaved parents look for. I don't know why, and it's not always the same place. Some of us go to the beach, some of us go to the mountains, some of us go to the lake. Whatever it is, we look for somewhere that isn't dictated by people. That there, It's not on anybody's timeline. It is a place that allows us to be who we are with whatever we're bringing in the moment that we're bringing it. There's no expectation, there's no responsibility there's it doesn't ask anything of us it's safe yeah it's not an absence of responsibility it's it's an absence of sound almost it's the only sound you hear are birds and wind and trees and river and you don't hear people and the noise of life isn't the most present thing that's, that's what Nick was getting at earlier is it's something that it's been very hard for me because I am 
I'm not a, you all know me, or most of you know me, like, I'm not, like, the biggest extrovert in the world that's going to jump on stage and do cartwheels and make an ass of himself. That's not my thing, but, but I do like people in general, and especially my people, and I want to be with my people, and my people bring me happiness, and I think we bring happiness to our people, and it's a symbiotic relationship of enjoying each other's company and we still want that but there's this cloud hanging over it of fear and trepidation and I I don't even know too many words just it's um Yeah, it's like, you know, we, we had a runaway there last month. You know, Nick, Nick had called me on a Thursday morning. I think I called you maybe. I called you Thursday morning just to see how everything was. And two hours later, we booked campgrounds and got the trailer out of storage and we're ready to go. We were gone. Um, we, we left the next morning. Um, just had to go put the phone on do not disturb and change the voicemail and live with the potential repercussions. Um, Like right now, right now for me at work is not exactly a great time to be gone. And I'm gonna be gone for (laughs) another uh, 16 days and I don't really give a shit. Um, I say this flippantly that business will either be there or won't when I get back, but I say it flippantly because it'll be there. I might have... And we know how fortunate we are. Yeah. Trust that we do not take that for granted, that we're blessed that we own our own business, that we control our own schedules, and to a degree we can control our own income and financial destiny, I guess, if you want to say that. And I... <sighs> I feel awful for all of the bereaved parents out here that don't have that luxury, that had to go back to work, that are struggling through a fucked up day because, who knows, a pregnant person walked into your office or one of your coworkers just announced her pregnancy or somebody is going off on maternity leave or whatever it is, there's a million triggers and you can't just run away you can't just leave you can't say I've had enough and I can't do anymore you have all of my love you have all of my heart because I know I could not do that right now no we we know we're fortunate I mean because there there are days where I have where I don't quite have it but I've got to keep it together long enough to finish what we're doing but for a lot of years you know, I'd get a call at 3 in the afternoon or 4 in the afternoon and just walk in the door or whatever while well, you put your boots on and go back to work. Now it's, now it really doesn't matter who's calling. There's some days at 4 or 5 o'clock I'll get up put my boots on, but there's other days where by 11 a.m. I'm done. I don't have any more in me today. Um, just call it. And the guys have been great. The guys have done everything they can. Um, I've worked them to death, or they've worked themselves to death, and have put in some serious effort and growth here, and 
being rewarded for it, but doesn't mean it's still not extremely appreciated. And, um, you know, the kids have been all right, I think. One, uh, one got engaged since the last time we, we talked on one of these. And that's, um, it's exciting. One's, one's fiance is awesome. We love her, she's family. Um, haven't known her too awfully long, but we feel like we've known her for a long time. And she's really embraced, I mean, both of us, but she's been really good for Nick. She's been, she's very connected with the earth and the, the feelings of the wind in the air or the, or the cool breeze on your face or, or whatever. And she's been very good for Nick and very calming. And she's been extremely respectful of Leah, extremely respectful of our grieving process. And we're, we're very happy that sometime in March, I don't know if we have a solid date yet, but sometime in March that we'll probably share some last names. Um, I don't know what their plan is on that. They haven't told me yet, but we'll, we'll sort that one out. And, uh, two, two, you've been, you've been good, man. Like we don't, we don't hardly see it too. You only, you know, you do your own laundry like a big boy and don't come over. Well, he's got a girlfriend that he's spending a lot of time with and we really like her too. Yes, we really, we really like your girlfriend too. Um, and she was able to go to Montana. We wish we got to spend more time with her, but she's working two jobs. She's a worker. She's a hustler. Well, we're, so they're doing their own thing. It's just that's hard when we're looking forward to getting to getting to know her better, and and you're you're awesome. You always have been. Um, we have some um, a friend of ours through the church that lost two children 15 years ago. Um, Number two was able to help us put together a, a little gift for them that it's kind of a long story, but something they want to be able to keep in their car to help remember specifically her son, her oldest, her oldest son. And um, I can say his name, they don't know him. Gabriel, his name's Gabriel. Be able to make a gift for Gabriel. And number two has a 3D printer that he's really spent a lot of time and effort working on. and. Built, built me this cool little thing to hold a matchbox that we can it looks like a car lift in a garage with Gabriel's name on it and we're going to be able to I've hooked the matchbox to it and as soon as we see like say her name, as soon as we see Lori we'll, we'll give it to her so I know I said thank you number two but thank you again and um, and we do we really we're really happy for you and and your girlfriend and we're we're looking forward to many dinners and card nights and barbecues and vacations and you know and then it's like three and four like you guys are awesome too obviously and we love you to death three you've changed so much I don't even know if you realize how much you changed part of it's you've grown up a lot since you moved out grew up more when you got working and you've grown up more with school and you've grown up more with the loss of Leah and you've just grown up and I know school is starting here soon and your schedule is going to get crazy again but 
you know, we're only eight miles away. And um, four, four is um, four is finishing up his senior year of high school with everything last fall. His teachers worked with us and helped him basically take the semester off and start fresh. But he's just got a couple, three classes, and he'll be done here and. Maybe by maybe by the end of August, be done and and then move forward in life. And I'm not sure what what you want to do. I know what you say you want to do, but um, we'll it support you. Yeah, you, you say number four wants to go to the armed forces, and it it scares us. Um, I mean, obviously, there's certainly the the, the number one fear. But the number one fear is not the biggest one for me. It's it's everything else. It's being gone and moving away and not being a part of my daily life. And you're the only one that's still a part of my daily life every day, that I see every day and I'm around every day. I mean, one, two, three come over a lot and we see them. Not two, two never comes over. Just kidding. Um, you come over every once in a while, but but yeah, it's you know to and to you know to see the the amazing person you're growing up into too. That was always the you know you were the baby boy of the family, and now you're bigger than the other two. And it's yeah. But to get back to the trip here, so we're, there's definitely parts we're looking forward to with it. The I think some of you know, some of you don't. One, two, three, and four, and the, and the fiance are they're joining us on Thursday. They're gonna jump a plane and come out. And uh, one and four and the fiance are only gonna stay a couple days because they need to get back to work. Um, four just started a new job. He's only a week in a new job, so he doesn't exactly have vacation time. But um, two and three are gonna stay for. They'll be here for a week with us, and they're gonna just hang out with mom and dad and we're going to go up to the UP and see the big water and see picture rocks and do some fun stuff with just two and three, which we've never done. Um, be the first time that it's just been us four together to go do something like that. So it's, I'm sad that one and four and fiance won't be here, but I'm also excited that it, that it, it's just the two older boys and we get to have some one-on-one -on -one time with, guys that don't live with us anymore and that we are still learning to know from afar as young men so that said if i win the lotto in yeah. any of these states on the way through prepare to quit your jobs because we're going on the road full time <laughs> yeah i'm thinking thinking a nice big uh motorhome maybe two um two can drive one you can do it um and we're just gonna caravan everywhere and I'm not doing normal life ever again. <laughs> um, I'm just going to live on that vacation. That any pain. It just opens up a different part of the world that we would like to join. If anybody wants to follow along on a map, we're, uh, we started this in Montrose County, Colorado, in the town of Montrose. And we're currently heading east towards Gunnison Canyon. And uh, we're currently driving through some amazing, amazing landscape. And uh, 
the old dog's in the back. Mr. Marcel's in his hammock, snoozing away with, oh, probably an $80 orthopedic bed and some way too expensive treats. And he's got two 12-volt fans running on him because he's a bougie little monster. Um, he knows we're camping and he won't refuse to eat his dog food camping. So he's had nothing but uh, rotisserie chicken and cheese mixed with his dog food. So we're trying to give him the healthiest people food we can. I'm going to throw this out there as maybe a guideline for interacting with us, but maybe some other bereaved parents out there can relate. I don't know. And I'm not yelling at anybody. I'm not anything. I'm just saying this is what is true for us. Please don't refer to us as Marcel's mom and dad. Yeah. Yeah, he's not my baby. No. I've given birth to five babies and not even one dog. He is our best friend. He is the support when we're really, really spiraling. He is probably the world's worst emotional support dog. He has no training and he has no manners, but he's perfect for us. And he recognizes when, especially when I am starting to spiral, that he will come and be with me. He does me too. He, he jumped out of your lap and came and laid yeah. across mine the other day when I was having a moment. But yeah, he, I know a lot of people think of their dogs as their kids. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's real for you. That's great. That's awesome. I can I can totally understand where that comes from. That's just not the thing for us. And I won't yell at you if you say it or anything. Just I'll remind you that I'm not his mom. I wasn't there when he was born. But I don't think of myself as his owner. <laughs> I guess that sounds gross. He's, I'm his caretaker, I guess. I'm his concierge most of the time, making sure that he has his little food, his special prescription fucking food, and his special bottled water, and his comfy little bed, and his treats, and all his little accoutrements. And that's, that's totally fine. He gives me somewhere to direct my, some of my unspent love and caregiving energy that I don't have anywhere to put, I don't have anywhere to use it. So he's not a tool, he's not an outlet, he's a sentient little being that is dependent on me. And we love him, but he's not our kid. Yeah, it's really, that's it's just a guideline for, you know, lots of people. When we were in Colorado here last month, we were we had him with us in this little town called Silverton. And we stopped and ate lunch. And we asked if it was okay if dogs could be on the patio. And it, and it, and it, and it was. It, it was a very friendly little town. And we, we put him in the shade so that he could... Um, eat his food and, and not, you know, and so we could eat on a patio and not be in the car, but a whole bunch of people stopped by because 
use a nine-month-old French bulldog sucker bet. And they're like, oh, he's such a cutie, he's such a, just, oh, let's look at your mommy, daddy, just love you. And it's like, just shut the fuck up. Like, I, I know that sounds mean, but... Like I don't, I don't want everybody to go through life always, always thinking before you speak. But occasionally, maybe. Well, and that I get. Like a lot of people do feel like a dog or a cat or whatever they call them. They're fur babies, and and I and I do get that, and I I understand when people say it. It's. They're acknowledging a bond between us and and Marcel, but it's not a parent-child bond. That's not what that is. And I'm not mad at you if you say it. Just know that when I cringe a little bit, it's because that just doesn't hit right for me. And I'm only speaking for us. I'm, I'm not saying anybody that does refer to themselves as mom and dad to their dog or their cat or their gerbil or their snake or whatever that there's anything wrong with that there absolutely isn't that is real and true for you yeah no, it's number, just not number real one, and true for me number one refers to herself as dog mom yeah and that jack is her son but, but and there's nothing wrong with that but she's very careful she she used to call us go see grandma and grandpa she used to do that until We'd ask, we didn't like it necessarily before, like, like no, you're my kid, not him. And, but since losing Leah, she has not done it and will not because there is a distinction. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm not trying to scare anybody off or I, I don't, I don't mean to sound like an asshole. It just, it's just one of those things that is, that's, that's what we're talking about triggers. Like it can be something that should be completely innocuous and stupid that just is like, a major traumatic event in my day. Um, I have stuff like when I'm, my phone's only rang once right now, but quite often I'll have people that'll call me two, three times. That stuff makes me crazy and makes me spiral out of control when I got, like I'm on the phone with somebody doing something or I'm wiring a control box and all of a sudden my phone's just ringing, 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 leave a message. It's it's weird little triggers. Like I hit a butterfly about ten minutes ago, and I'm still not very happy about it. Not that I could have done anything about it. I'm driving sixty miles an hour down the road with a cruise on. I can't exactly swerve butterflies, but I'm not very happy about the fact that I hit a butterfly. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It seems like there's always more we want to talk about, and then we just kind of ramble around. But I think maybe I'd like to talk to my friends here in the background. I have a, it's not third person, but a weird conversation. Like my, this, this one right here specifically for our friends in Georgia. You know, you guys have been having a, a run lately, the last couple of weeks, and... Um, I know it's stressful. I know it's you're, you've got a season going on at work that you have to 
you have to participate in. It's not an option. You don't have you don't have the ability to do what we do and just say fuck it and mail it in. Um, but I tried to tell you the other day that you said like you feel like your life is falling apart personally and professionally. I I when I told you or texted you like you're not the only one. I. I pride myself on being locked in and not leaving people out of water and getting good high quality reports out on a timely manner. And right now we do our very best to not leave anybody out of water, but everything else is kind of about 10th tier in my give a fuck list. Um, Well, not that we're doing shit work and sending out shit reports and that kind of stuff. But I don't. There's not the urgency or the priority of it. it like I used to. I do the work and it's still high quality. It's just I don't. You're not. I don't get involved in so many of the details and the the minutia of everything like I used yeah, like, to. And maybe that's a good thing in some ways. Not just in Georgia, but. We have friends all over the country now that you, we're all doing the best we fucking can. Stop apologizing for it. We're out here, we're fucking still breathing for some stupid reason. We're, if we made it out of bed, great. If you didn't, good for you. If you went to work and got something done, you're awesome. If you went to work and decided fuck all of this and went home, I'm glad for you. If you are just out here doing whatever you can do today, even if that seems like it's not enough, it is. Stop apologizing. We are fucked up. Yeah, and and we're, every one of us, not just Nick and I, but every one of us are only a phone call away. And, and I'll speak for myself. I don't give a shit what I'm doing. I'll put it down. Um, there's literally nothing that I'm ever doing during the day that I can't put down, that I can't figure out how to have somebody else take over for a while. Phone rings will pick it up. I mean, you know that. We talked two hours in the orchard the other day. Just call me. Um, our friends in Portugal, they... Yeah, we hang out on our little, not really Zoom, but a video call and... We don't really talk about anything of major consequence, and it's awesome. We take them on vacation with us. We're just driving down the road, showing them the mountains. But we sometimes, not just with our friends in Portugal, but our friends everywhere, we talk about the big, heavy, ugly, awful shit. And I love you guys because you are literally the only ones that can hear that and completely understand me. You meet me where I am. Not that everybody else doesn't want to, but you can't. And I don't want you to. I don't ever want you no. to know this. No, God, no. We keep saying that. I, I am so glad that you only understand what you understand and you don't really get it because I don't want you to ever get it. And yeah, and for a lot, yeah, so many reasons. Just I don't want you to ever, ever actually get it. Sorry. But all of our friends everywhere, bereaved moms and dads, angel parents, some of us call ourselves, 
We're a special breed. We're not like every other mom and dad out there. And I hate that I know you because that we've all gone through this. But I am so glad that we have all of you. That you can talk to us and we can talk to you and there's no apology. There's no weirdness. There's, it's We can talk about the big, ugly, heavy, awful shit. And then five minutes later be laughing about something completely inconsequential and stupid because that is who we are and that's how our life works now and I'm so glad and we say this all the time because we want you guys to know how much we love you how much we need you and we depend on you and how much it kills me when you guys reach out to us and, and say thank you for being there. Where the fuck else do I have to be? There is nothing, nothing more important than you guys and all of us on this journey together. We can be support to you. You are always support to us. There's no thanks ever needed, ever. A thanks is like, hey, you did me a favor. Thanks for you know, doing me a solid, that's not what we're doing. We're picking up the phone and doing the very least we can do because I cannot fix this for you. I cannot bring your baby back, because I would. I, I think sometimes that you guys think that we're just there for you and you're afraid you're not there for us. I got news for you, when I, when I pick up the phone and leave a 90 second voice message and I just say, hey, I'm just checking in with you. want to know how the day's going. Hope everything's all right. I'm the one that's fucking spiraling at the time when I do that. I'm the one that's reaching that you. you need to read that code and reach out and try to no. untangle that. No, but He just, means that he's having a hard time. He's checking in with you guys just to be reassured that you're okay or okay-ish. Yeah, like when, I, when I'm spiraling, I'm I guess I'm hoping you're not, maybe. Like, I, I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not looking for you to solve my problems. Just, I, I it's a mute. I guess, shit. I don't know. It's mutual. You guys are. You're definitely there for us. You're the only thing that hold us together a lot of days. Um, and I couldn't. I couldn't imagine doing this without you guys. Um. Yeah, so, but yeah, to our Michigan people, I really, I don't want to scare anybody, but I don't really know what to expect here. I know we're getting to town Monday sometime, and in theory, we're going to see you Monday night, and we could be there till 2 in the morning, but we might get there. and More not, likely is we're not going to see you on Monday, yeah, and I'm going to need a reset, and I'm going to need to prepare myself but know that John and I are squared away enough that if one or both of us has had enough and we need to do something else, that we have it sorted, that we have safe words, we have communication, that if, if it's enough and it's time to go, that we'll handle that. Well, and I don't, neither one of us like to leave each other and there, there may be times where Nick and her little dog are gonna do Nick and little dog things and I'll sit in 
and visit. I don't know. I, we don't know. We don't know. No, nobody knows. Until we get there, we don't know. But Just know that we're scared. That we love you and we're grateful for you. And we appreciate you. But this is... We planned this trip a long time ago. This is when you were all supposed to be meeting Leah. That we were locked down last year and you weren't going to be able to come and see her. And so we were going to bring her to you as soon as it was safe enough. We wanted to be here. This what we planned. This isn't what it's supposed to be. Leah was supposed to be born at Thanksgiving and we were planning on coming out like Memorial weekend and she'd have been six months old and, and good and healthy to travel across the country and, and sleeping through the night. And, and we were coming for little man's birthday and it just isn't fucking how it's supposed to be. And we're, we're coming a month after we were gonna come or two months after and we're coming without Leah and we're driving the most dumb fuck long way possible and just none of it feels right. It's we doesn't I just we can, we can't express how much we love you guys though. Like and it, and it just and to say that we're coming and we're coming to see and it doesn't feel right, that feels so wrong too. Because we we should want to be together. We should want to be in each other's actual geographic space. And it's just all wrong. It's, it's been all wrong for a long time now, and it's going to be all wrong for a lot fucking longer. But. Anyways, I don't know. For everybody that's listening that doesn't know us, that we aren't related to in some way, like, I know that this sounds like a letter to our friends and family, and it kind of is, but we were hoping that you could hear this too, and so that if you are struggling, thinking, I don't even want to be around my family right now, like, you're fine. <laughs> that is totally okay. Not alone. No, not at all. It's, I don't want to be anywhere. There's, I, at home with Leah. Other than that, there's nowhere in this life that I want to be. So, being anywhere is hard. Being with people, even though know them and you know they're not judging you and you know that they're not putting undue expectations on you but you feel it anyway you are not alone it's totally normal and fine to not want to be anywhere not want to be with anyone and not do anything our lives are fucking destroyed we have no idea what is left in the rubble and it's too hard to even sort through the pieces to figure it out and there's there's definitely places you don't want to be 
there's you don't want to be in a hospital you don't want to be in the baby food aisle at Walmart you don't want to be in the general vicinity of any babies or anyone pregnant um, you don't want to be at a restaurant that you used to like because you went there because that food made you happy you don't places you don't want to be but there's not places that you necessarily want to be it's um yeah I, uh, there's conversations you don't want to have and uh, people you don't want to see things you don't want to do and the good news is you don't have to no that's been one of the best things that we've heard in one of our support groups. One of the clinicians Great, says, now I hit a mouse. Mm. We'll have to pull over here because I'm evidently the animal killer today. I'm killing butterflies. Just hit a little mouse in the road and couldn't have been a friggin' diamondback or something worth dying. Sorry, nothing's worth dying, but I think it would be. Anyways, sorry, Nick was saying the nurse well, the clinician in our support group says there's no must, shoulds, or have tos. Stop shouldn't on yourself. Yeah. That's hard to hear, especially when it's very, very new. It's hard to hear on those days that you are in a shame, guilt, sadness, fucking shitstorm. But I hope you can hear it on the days that you need it. You don't, you're not required to do a motherfucking thing and nobody is allowed to tell you that you are. I get that you have work responsibilities and you have home responsibilities and I get that. And I know that some of those things you feel like are make or break, but I'm telling you, they are not. If you can skate on a 50% effort instead of your normal 120%, do it. If you can tell your significant other, you know what, I'm not doing a damn thing today. If you need clean underwear, you know how to use a washing machine. Or I'm not cooking today because that's too much. Then hand them the phone and they can figure out how to use Uber Eats. It's not hard. Nobody is allowed to tell you that you must, should, or have to do anything. And nobody is allowed to expect anything from you ever again. And I'm going to say that one carefully because coming on this trip, there's a lot of people know, probably. I haven't necessarily told a lot of people, but word gets around. And I intend to see Triple R family, and JJ and KK, and my aunt and uncle, and potentially my mom's friend, or sister from another mother, and my boss. But I don't, I'm not seeing anybody else. And that's way more people than I'm intending to see. And I don't know that I'm gonna see, I may see some other people on accident, but I'm not seeing anyone else on purpose. 
So for some of you that may or may not listen, I don't know if you do or not, but Farmer Dan and Big Tim and my cousin, and I, I'm not going to see you guys on this trip. I'm sorry. It's not that I don't love you like family too, but I'm, I've only got so much, and I've been, Nick and I have been preparing ourselves for months to be able to see who we're going to see and do we don't have to do any of it, but do what we want to do or do what we need to do. Do what we can do. Do what we can do. But the rest of you, I'm sorry, we're not going to see you on this trip. I just only got so much emotional energy and it's all pretty well locked into what we're here to do. That said, too, for anybody that doesn't know us, that are listening... One thing that was really hard to understand for both of us, John, more than me, you probably will lose relationships with people, friendships, sometimes even family members that you just can't with anymore. They don't get it, or they say stupid things, or they're blatantly hurtful or they just haven't shown up it I hate the saying it is what it is but it is you're it's not fair for us to try and carry a relationship if it's one-sided if we can't get something if there can't be some emotional safety in it it's not worth the effort because it everything from us requires more effort. Everything is harder. Everything requires more time and energy and thought. And it's not worth it if you're not getting anything back. Somebody, somebody, I read somewhere they said that the person that could say it is what it is is a different kind of dangerous. And that's definitely what Nick and I are now is really mean it. Like it it's fire water burn like we're yeah. when you've seen the end of the world when you have contemplated and even tried to hasten your own death very little is scary anymore nothing yes. is scary anymore that it doesn't make me invincible but it makes me pretty fucking dangerous it's a really weird thing to think about, but or maybe it's not weird. Maybe it's just weird to me. But every relationship is essentially give and take, or it should be. Any symbiotic relationship you have with, I don't know, just let, let's talk abstract first. Food. You eat food to get energy to survive. It's a symbiotic relationship. You. That's not a symbiotic I don't know. Whatever. See, so I'm stupid. Anyways. Symbiotic both parties get something out of it well the the food gets made into waste so it gets something out of it Ah. anyways every relationship should be symbiotic like like when we talk on the phone or we see each other in person or whatever like it should be give and take and there's and there's relationships that certainly you put in more effort or more energy than the other person does that's just part of human nature there's, there's friends that feel like they carry the friendship. There's families that feel like they hold the family together. Like, that that happens. 
but it but ultimately it's it's give and take and it should be as close to 50 50 as possible and where I'm going with that is twofold is right now there are days where Nick and I can 50 50 or we can we can give and take but there's lots of days where it's 90 10 and we're taken and we're only given 10 and we're putting the responsibility of the conversation the responsibility of the friendship on you which isn't exactly fair and we know that and it's a very tricky thing to wrap your head around that I'm I'm and I'm and we're probably asking more of you than you're equipped to handle um and most of you have done a fantastic job, but it, but that's, that's step one is that, or that was point one is that you, it is this kind of give or take relationship. And the second one is for me, I have two people that I used to talk to regularly that I haven't. One of you, I don't want to name any names, but one of you I have been talking to much more regularly the past six weeks. And I'm glad, and I'm, I'm not going to use the word happy because I don't like happy, but I'm glad that we have found our relationship again, or at least parts of it. And that took both of us. That took you stepping out and saying that you realized that you probably weren't there as much as you should have been but, but we're having your own stuff going on. And, and I also have to realize that maybe I was asking too much or potentially asking too much. So that's, so that's definitely part of it. And the second is somebody that I haven't talked to at all in the last almost year now that I used to talk to very regularly every three weeks or so. And it's because I know from other outside sources that you're not in the position to have the conversation I need to have. You're not in the position to give. And, and I'm not in the position to take. So we haven't talked. And it's not, I don't love you any less and you don't love me any less. I'm sure, I'm sure of that. But, and I know you haven't listened to these either and that's okay. So I'm just talking to the abstract, but this is really for just other people in general. Like there's, I know that talking with you is not, I don't, I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna get anything out of it because that sounds like I only talk to people and I'm gonna get it's something out of. It's just, yeah, talking with you is going to be not safe for me. And I know that I, I know that our conversations bring you comfort or used to, anyways. And there was things that we talked about that brought you comfort and brought me comfort. And and I imagine if we could have that conversation, it would allow you to get some things off your chest and to vent and to maybe find your feet a little bit more, but I don't have it to give. And 
that's hard. Like me, for me mentally, me who, who I am, like I, I like to think of myself as a giver. Usually, I try to be there for people, and it's really hard to just something shut you out on purpose because I don't have it. Maybe you know or you don't. I don't know about John and I. Is we are the fixers. We are the ones that hold things together. We are the givers. We are the ones that would give you a pass if you needed more than you could give. That's okay. That's 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 okay. But I will tell you. For me, in relationships that you can't support me through the worst thing that has ever happened in a string of bad things in my life, if you can't show up for me now, I don't need you. I look at you as the same as that storage room full of shit, but if I've lived without it for a year, I clearly didn't need it in my life, and I am clearing all that shit out. I am recondoing my whole fucking life, and I know that sounds harsh, but that's for the ones out there that are going through the same shit. I don't care who it is in your life, what the relationship was before, before the world ended. It doesn't matter. Because if you don't matter enough to those people, you don't need them. And I'm not saying that in a flippant kind of a way, like, oh, fuck it, you can just be done with them. It's not that easy. I'm not saying people are trash and you just throw them away. You don't. You will carry the trauma of a broken relationship forever. But next to the trauma of losing a child, it's nothing but it's not worth the potential trauma down the road that these people will inflict on you. It is not worth draining everything you have left to prop somebody else up. If they can't be with you, if they can't be there for you, if they can't support you and show up, you do not need them. And it is okay to come to that realization. I have, there are people that used to be in our life that aren't and won't ever be because you didn't show up for me. Because you can't be, not even you can't be what I need you to be, you can't even show up in my life and bring anything helpful to me right now. You cause more pain, you cause more confusion, you cause more trauma and I don't need it. Some people didn't show up, period. And yep. you could have... I would have rather that you showed up and fucked it up sideways and at least gave me a chance to talk to you about it as opposed to just not showing up, period. Not me. It shows who you really are. I didn't hear from you in the darkest night of my life. And I didn't hear from you. For me, I've always been a person a very fire and brimstone type. I can light that shit on fire. I'm some of those relationships I'm pissed off that I didn't get to tell you to your face what a piece of shit I think you are. But 
whatever. I burnt that bridge. I have burned it down. It is not going to be rebuilt. It is done. It is over. I am done with you. And I'm not saying this so that you can all hear what a bitter harpy I am, because I am. I am saying this because for those of you that don't know what this pain is, it may be hard to understand how can you walk away from relationships that you've had for 20, 30 something years. And I am here to tell you it's easy for me. You aren't the kind of people that I need, so I don't need you. And I've moved on. I've, I'm collecting a community of people around me that can be what I need them to be, can be there when I need them. I can be there for them. I'm not just saying bereaved parents, and that's not it, although they are a huge part of our community. But even those of you that don't understand this pain because you've never lived it, you've shown up, you've said out loud, I cannot begin to imagine what this is for you because you can't. And you've said, even though I can't understand it, I can be here for you in whatever capacity that may be. And you've done it, you showed up. And I am so grateful for all of you, but I want you to know that isn't across the board. And that's, I'm okay with that. Other parents that are living this won't be. But this is all part of your trauma-informed grief education. Understand when people cut ties, it is not done lately. It is done in the moment because I cannot feel safe with you. You are causing more trauma and more pain and you're not worth the energy. That's harsh. Well, imagine what it is from our side. Yeah, in some ways, the stronger we get, the less afraid we are of doing it people. doing it alone and yeah, deleting cancel culture at its finest. Yeah. But so on that note, I'm gonna finish this up. But this for might our, end up being a part one. Yeah, it could on be. our trip. I don't know. When we're when we're staring at the state tree of Kansas, known as the telephone pole, we may we may uh, have a part two. So, to our friends in Portugal and Georgia, and in Florida, in Florida upstate New York, Detroit area, California, California and, and everywhere Arizona. else, just hang in there. You're not alone. You're never alone. We or, see you. We see you, we hear you, feel you. And to our Michigan people, we're gonna be a, we're gonna be in state with about 48 waking hours. And I'd love to tell you I'd see all 48 waking hours, but it might be 48 waking minutes. So please understand that it's not for lack of want. Yeah. If you've uh, ever been told it's not you, it's me. It's it's definitely the case. Un, yeah, that is, it's never been more true than when we say it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried about any of you. I'm not worried about you hurting us or scaring us or anything like that. It, I'm not, we're not. We know that you guys love us and you'll treat us with utmost respect and treat our, just 
treat us right because you're good people and that's why you're that's why you're on the short list of people we want to see but again i'm hoping it's 48 hours might be 48 minutes i don't really know and no hard feelings anyway we love you and we'll see you in a few days